picks with the Professor College Basketball Edition, Tuesday, December 5th. Jake, glad to have you back with College Basketball Edition. Uh, looking to cover a bunch of games and a good Tuesday slate. Uh, I feel like we're getting to the time of year where things are starting to take shape a little bit. Uh, and we're kind of being reminded of just how hard it is to play on the road in college basketball, which I think is part of the reason why uh, the model shifts its win probability just so much for home court. Because I think, I think we're just kind of being reminded that we saw those neutral court games. And seeing these home road games is starting to really, you're starting to really see some of these home road differences in college basketball. Yeah, and unless you're UNC Wilmington, you just go right into Rupp Arena and act like you own the place. That was, that was fun. And, and there, there are there are others weird games like that, and, and that's I guess I guess that it's good because that keeps our home court advantage in check. Otherwise, it would just be like through the roof, and it would be like a high school team yeah. could beat a, an NBA team. <laughs> Otherwise, it wasn't for, for games like that. It seems. Uh, there's your recap from yesterday. Uh, still, it was a short slate. Still, one game to go as of right now, break even. But that game that's happening looks really promising to potentially get a double winner on our second A grade side. And Jake, look at that. Lo and behold, A grade side is now profitable, barely, but profitable for the season. Uh, you know, we talked about, we've been talking a lot about how well they've been going. Uh, totals, again, for the most part, still doing really well. Looks like potentially a two in one day on totals. Hopefully, cross our fingers, uh, this Cal Poly Oregon State game doesn't, you know, blow up in the second half or go to double overtime or something like that. So looking like another... Uh, solid night, and again, I'm real pleased with the way totals been all season. Really pleased with A grade picks, A grade size that makes now. Uh, assuming this holds for us here, would make I believe seven straight profitable days there. Uh, and it's been quite a run, and, and I, I kind of expect that to continue now that we've kind of got things tweaked the right way. So, a lot of good things uh, happening. Here's our slate for this show, uh, according to sideline we we are going to talk about the three best games of the day the fifth and sixth best games have an a grade pick over on dub club and then we're going to talk about the seventh best game in indiana michigan on the extended cut so if you want to have all the picks for the good basketball between this and dub club we'll have you covered and of course over on Dub club we'll have you covered for all the bad basketball too where, again, we always talk about there's a lot of money to be made in some of these small schools, so a handful of A-grade plays over there as well. And, again, as a reminder, you can sign up on Dub Club using the promo code there on the screen in the link description, or you can scan that QR code if that's a thing you like to do. Uh, Jake, did I forget to mention anything before we get started? Uh, just that the price goes up in January, so get it get it on uh, Dub Club now, so you get that low price in for as long as you're staying in the Dub Club. Yeah, I really I really think that if if you're getting if you've been here with us, most of you've been watching for a while. If you haven't, you know, welcome. Uh, but a lot of you've been here for a while, and and I really think you know getting in now makes a lot of sense because eventually here we'll add a hockey model, we'll add who the heck knows what all this stuff. Uh, that will be added. There's right on the Discord today, maybe like a minor league baseball model, something else for fun in the summer. But it's just going to be adding more and more and more. I've got team total projections, but I haven't really done much with like where you should play them, you know? So, I mean, there's just a lot of like low-hanging fruit for me the next year or two uh, to spend my time on an ad. And, and you'll lock in the current price forever 
Uh, it doesn't matter what the price goes to. And so locking that in here, again, January 1st, those prices will go up. So you get $5 off your first month with that promo code. Um, again, using the, the, the link in the, in the show description and you lock in that price forever. Uh, just a great opportunity there. Let's get to it then. Florida Atlantic in Illinois, one of the two neutral site games in Madison Square Garden. Looking forward to this back-to-back uh, -back here. This is the undercard, and it should be a very good contest according to sideline number 19 versus number 24. We've kind of talked about Florida Atlantic probably getting a little bit too much respect uh, for what happened last year. So this, the model still puts them a little bit lower than the polls do at this point of the year. Uh, we don't have to agree with the polls necessarily. By the time we get into February and March, it probably will align fairly well just because of the fact that we'll have so much more data and whoever's whoever's wrong will converge towards the other side, of course. And again, just like the polls, all models are wrong. So I say that mostly facetiously, but we'll all start, start to kind of converge a little bit. Lines will get tighter as we go into February, but for now we're still a little bit down on FAU relative to the market. They're still a really good team. Number 11 on offense. I mean, it's not to take anything away from them, but this should be a fascinating matchup with strength on strength. Illinois, insanely good defense, lags a little bit on offense. Florida Atlantic, their weak spots, defense, even a weak relative to, we expect these both to be tournament teams, right? They're still very good teams. It's pretty close to the coin toss. And Jake, you and I were talking before the show here, and the model says FAU by 1.2 points on average gives them a 54% chance to win. That makes Illinois a 46% chance to win. I need to do a little more looking into what the official recommendation should be here. I think we were getting a little bit too aggressive with taking bigger money lines uh, for, for teams getting, you know, seven, eight points or something like that. And so we've kind of been going a little more conservative. They get just trying to follow the data where the data tells us our best angles are. As you get closer, you know, should we make the cutoff 50% uh, to take money line or, or, or 45% cousin Jared and I've talked about that as well. I don't quite know the answer to that. Again, something I, I kind of have my to-do list to check into, but this is a game where Illinois is plus 140. I could easily see a dabble a little bit there again with a 46% chance of winning plus 140 is pretty reasonable. I, th I think what was happening with some of the six and seven point dogs is that, you know, the model says, sure they can win, but there's a decent chance. They're just not quite good enough to hang around all game and they end up losing by five. And so we were missing out because we weren't taking the six to seven points, right? Yeah. This is closer than that. This isn't one where we think FAU is going to win by five or six or seven on average by one, which means it's just a really close contest. So this would, I really think you could argue to take the money line at plus 140. We're going to take the field goal and the hook, the three pointer and the hook, I, I, you know, still got to <laughs> as long as we can here. I guess I can't say field goal though, because that means something in basketball too. Uh, either way, it's a B grade pick. It's a B grade pick on the money line at the current price of plus 140 as well. I think the model's just, you know, picking up that the the respect is a little bit off here. FAU's a good team. Illinois is a good team. This should be closer to a pick than it is. Jake, tell us more. Yeah, I mean, I'm splitting my wager here. I'm going on the spread and the money line for Illinois. I think the defense that's borderline top 10 in every category, every metric you want to look at, um, except forcing turnovers. They're just not great at forcing turnovers, but I don't think it's – I think it's by design that they are wanting you to take a terrible shot and play one on two where they can pressure you, make you run into somebody that's going to block your shot rather than force the turnover. Um, 
they do a like, great job of chasing you off the three. And as good as Florida Atlantic is, and I really like this Florida Atlantic team, um, I just don't think they've got enough there to cover the number. And I think it's going to be a really tight game going back and forth. Um, if Illinois plays defense like they normally do, it's really going to take a huge weapon out of Florida Atlantic's uh, ball game because they're going to be chased off the three-point arc, and they're a really good three-point shooting team, really enjoy it. And they also like to get to the free throw line, and Illinois doesn't give a lot of free throws up. Um, turnover battle, I think, will end up about even. But the size that Illinois has to be able to throw at Golden, who's the leading scorer right now for Florida Atlantic, and they can throw body after body after him. Where after Golden, Florida Atlantic gets really short. Terrence Shannon Jr. is a terrible nightmare matchup for Jonel Davis and Elijah, Elijah Martin. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, whoever's hot that night because those are their two best guards. Terrence Shannon will be locked up on them, and it's just a very bad matchup. Um, I think the loss of Boyd hurts this Florida Atlantic team a lot more than what people are seeing uh, because it takes another guard out of their rotation, makes them a little bit thinner, um, forces different guys to handle the ball. The biggest worry here is Illinois on the free throw line because – they shoot 57%. I mean, they don't get there often, but if this game's tight at the end, there's a Florida Atlantic could overtake them by, by forcing Illinois to shoot three uh, free throws. So that's why you also want the plus three and a half. But I, and why I'm splitting my wager, not going all money line. It makes a lot of sense. I, I think arguing both ways that the value in the plus 140, you know, too good to pass up. But the three and a half, you know, also just because then again, if it's a one score game, if it's a, you know, if it's, a, if either team has a one point lead at the end, you, you know, or a two point lead at the end, you can kind of just be like, Hey, you know, do whatever you do. Right. Take, take a three, whatever, just in the game. Now I don't have to care. Right. It's so that three and a half could be valuable in a game that we expect to be pretty tight as we always say, right. You know, I, I, I can't give you the exact number. We'll say a third, a third, a third, a third of times. It doesn't matter what handicap you have. One team's hot. One team's not. It doesn't matter, right? And this holds for sides and totals as well. A third of teams, you're just gonna you're just gonna lose. A third of them, you're just gonna win. Where it doesn't really matter, just because that's the way it goes. It's this third in the middle that we're kind of concerning ourselves with, and that's gonna be the difference maker for if we can be profitable. And so that's kind of what we're saying is that if this happens to be a tight game, getting to three and a half is gonna offer us some value. If it's a runaway, it's a runaway. Whether it's good or bad, it kind of is what it is, right? You just can't quite predict that, unfortunately. And so uh, again, grabbing three and a half or the plus one forty. Makes a lot of sense there. And uh, I, I like what you're talking about there with with Illinois, you know, guarding the three as well, not fouling a lot. I think that's probably correlated to the lack of t- forcing turnovers. It's the idea that they're, they're kind of saying, hey, like, we're not going to be greedy and try to force those turnovers. Thus, we're not going to foul you, right? Because a lot of times those are correlated. And uh, so, you know, maybe they don't get the turnovers, but if they're forcing bad shots and they're not putting their team at the free throw line, uh, that can be a pretty dangerous com- combination. And so, yeah, really good defense in the North. against a really good offense in Florida Atlantic. It should be a great contest. And that's kind of the point down to the wire, hopefully. And at that point, we don't have to care. We'll have three and a half in our back pocket. Or again, if you want to take the money line, I think that makes some sense as well. Or like you were saying, Jake, split your wager as well. The uh, second best game of the night, I believe, according to sideline here, Villanova and Kansas State. Uh, it should be a great contest, Villanova. Better team, but on the road. Uh, so it should make for a great game. Uh, unfortunately, at the moment, 
right now the model and the market are both pretty aligned that this is going to be a really tight contest on average. And so we don't really have much of a suggestion for you on this side, but we do on the total as it seems to be a little bit too low here at 141 and a half, we're going to go over with B grade value model thinks 145 on average. Jake, this Kansas state team plays above average pace. Villanova is more efficient on offense than they are defense and they go really slow, but we always are kind of talking about this, that, you know, when you have something like that, that everybody knows it's baked into the number and sometimes more. And I think that's what's happening here. Villanova's actually gone over more times than they've gone under this season. And one of the times they went under, they only went under based off what number you got. They were like a point away, depending on the number you might've even gotten them over on that one as well. They're just so good on offense. And we kind of talk about this sometimes with like a team like Creighton, you know, and obviously Creighton's got a better offense, but Creighton also doesn't really play fast, but they can put up 80 points on you just because they're so efficient with scoring. And that's kind of what this Villanova team is. Talk about pace driving a lot in college basketball, but when you get these really good offenses and Villanova's at least bordering on that, at least, you know, flirting with that really good category, the pace doesn't really matter. They can put up more points than people realize. 145 has been about how many points have been an average in college basketball and sideline thinks their offense and Kansas state's pace can offset Villanova's pace and put us at about an average scoring game market says below average. So we're going to go over 141 and a half. Jake, what are your thoughts? Yeah, th- this isn't your Jay Wright Villanova teams. They they just don't control the game with their offense or have the defensive ability that they used to have. I mean, they're just they're coming off back to back losses of St. Joe's and Drexel, and then there's a Pennsylvania loss in there. I, I think they've lost to every Big Five team possible. They've, they've uh, lost to all the all the pin yeah all the <laughs> the local games. They lose. I think they've won all the other ones. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But, but then again, they beat North Carolina and Memphis. So they've got some good wins, but their wins, uh, besides the Maryland game, are they're scoring 75 plus points, like getting up in the 80s and 90s, even. Uh, surely Neptune can pick up on that and pro- pick up the pace a little bit, get his offense a little more involved, and their defense isn't uh, just kind of stopping and controlling everything on that end. Uh, and they're still an elite free throw shooting team, I think, mm. top one or two shooting 80 plus percent. So they have Seems like that's all to score. no matter what with them. Yeah, and I mean, Kansas State likes to run. They like to p- play fast. Uh, Jerome Lang like, likes that faster, tight kind of game. They also turn the ball over. They're really uh, missing no- Noel Jr. And, and that from that standpoint. But, to, I mean, to make up for it, they crash the offensive glass and they get a ton of rebounds and they get fouled all the time, partially on the rebounds and all that, and they seem to – really convert most of those but this team this Kansas State team is confused on the three-point arc they they don't like to shoot from behind there they're not good at it they hadn't figured it out and they also think the other team should be allowed to and they give up a ridiculous percentage from behind the arc which really helps overs because three is more than two uh but the pace should lean Kansas State's way uh and Villanova should be able to take advantage of the lack of three-point defense because the Villanova is a good three-point shooting team. Uh, defense not been a strong suit for either team, really. I mean, Kid State's given up about 74-ish a game, and, and in most of the wins, Villanova's wanting to get above 75. Uh, so I think we're going to get a number closer to from 145 to 150 than we are going to get closer to 140. 
Yeah, seemingly it's more likely getting the upper 140s and the lower 140s over uh, in that one. And, and I think just the last thing I'll say about this one is is it's just a good reminder that sometimes you can struggle about an offense, but the pace can kind of make up for it. Other times, you know that the possessions won't be quite as many because Villanova won't go flying up to Kansas State's pace, but the efficiency should make up for it. So this is a game where uh, Kansas State will at least do their part to drag Villanova up, and that'll help. Uh, help us have a reasonable number of possessions. But the key, I think, is that the offenses are better than the defenses here uh, for each team. And so that should uh, allow the efficientness, efficiency of that uh, to create some extra points. It's also funny looking at these defenses and thinking number 42 and number 60 and that that's not very good because we're talking about all this. You know, I'm just thinking about like, you know, come March Madness, that's, that's going to be pretty rough, right? You're going to be talking about yeah. – especially after the first weekend, you should be talking about, you know, mostly top 20, top 30 units. Right. Uh, but that's pretty good compared to so many of the weaker schools that we cover with defenses, like in the two hundreds and stuff like that. So it's kind of a mind trip, you know, covering the, the gauntlet here of college basketball, which again, we'll cover some weaker games yeah. in the extended cut, but to the main event, 9 PM Eastern North Carolina and UConn, uh, both of these teams have looked really good. Both of these teams now have looked human. Uh, and so that should make for an interesting matchup here obviously both of them are fantastic on offense north carolina can struggle on the defensive uh side of the ball number five versus number nine according to sideline and and that might confuse you a little bit there with north carolina but again if you talk about the the differences in defense is just much smaller than the differences in offense these top offenses can just score so much better and hopefully it's a theme you've been picking up on on uh, that we've kind of been talking a lot about lately between the difference in offense and defense and so the uh, overall projection for north carolina is still really good even though their defense struggles neutral court game Obviously closer for UConn with regards to travel, an arena that they do tend to play in from time to time. So they might have a little bit of familiarity with it. But with regards to fans, North Carolina is going to have fans everywhere. So, you know, you might could argue that UConn should get a tiny, tiny bit of home court. But it's really hard to say exactly how the fan situation will play out. It won't be all Huskies fans there for sure. There should be a lot of Tar Heel Blue in the crowd. Should make for a great contest. Model says on average, UConn wins by three. So let's grab the six with North Carolina. It's an A grade pick. Jake, tell us why. This is the game I'm most excited for. I think these are two top, top tier teams going at it. Uh, I mean, both teams have already played decent schedules too. And yeah. both are showing some cracks and I uh, showed that they can be really good. I mean, UConn lost their last game at Kansas, playing at Fog Island's never easy. And then Villanova, I think, was an overtime loss for North Carolina, mm-hmm. but they came back and beat Tennessee, absolutely destroyed them in the first half. Uh, UConn getting Castle back is a big bonus, giving them another guard who can do a little bit of everything. But I just, I think both these teams are very thin. And I, I, the way that Klingon likes to play. He's a very athletic big guy. He doesn't do so well with the physicalness. Armando Baycott seems to be waking up. Uh, that offense of North Carolina, once it gets going, is very, very, very tough to stop. And UConn, to have an offensive score as high as they have, you have it as high as Ken Palm has it, and to be as poor three-point shooting team as they have been so far this year is really impressive. It shows how well their offense works, how they take the right shots and everything. They're not forcing up bad threes, but I think that's where it's going to come back to bite them and be able to cover a six point. Cause you've got to be able to hit threes. 
UConn's struggling there. North Carolina can really spread you out around Armando Baycott. He should be able to have his way with Klingon and whoever else they throw in there. Uh, they've like Ingram was an incredible get out of the portal, who's been just very surprising. But Cadeau has been probably the biggest piece that North Carolina brought in because it allows RJ Davis to just concentrate on scoring and not have to run the offense and initiate everything because he makes as a freshman just makes incredible plays and just very, very smart player. And I just, I think this is where like UConn's kind of showing a little bit of cracks because Kansas was a very similar sized and depth time and team where North Carolina can match up and bang with some of these uh, UConn guards who aren't the strongest yet and, or Klingon's not that strong either. So I think they're going to get a little bit out physical here and they're not in they can't outrun North Carolina because North Carolina already wants to play faster than UConn's ever dreamed of playing. So I just think everything kind of leans North Carolina, but UConn's such a is just probably the better team. So I just don't, I think they win this game, but I think it's very very tight. Uh, third number thirty-seven for for UNC's defense, not eighty-seven. It's late, my eyes are crazy, and the typo there. So so number thirty-seven for UNC's defense, uh, eighty-seven would be about ten points worse uh, for their grade, though. So. Uh, Again, though, still the weakest unit on the court will be UNC's defense. And if they lose this game um, and fail to cover, it's likely because that defense just gets too leaky and UConn just has their way and scores a ton of points. So we do expect a lot of scoring. The total is fairly high in this game for a reason. Uh, but UNC's offense should be able to hang around with UConn's. The, the UNC offense, and this is when we, kind of, we talked about this earlier, right? A handful of games, you're just going to win or lose. you know, And it doesn't really matter what you think is one team's hot or not. I feel like that describes UConn to a T. I mean, sorry, UNC to a T, right? Like when they get hot and stay hot for more than half the game, you just can't beat them. It's just not possible with the way they can put up points. You saw that with Tennessee. You saw it with with Northern Iowa, which again, again, we talked about, we had that A grade pick on them and they were terrible in the first half down by like like 10 points basically at the half. And we're all sitting there thinking, you know, throw away those tickets. You know, we laid 12, what morons are we? And then they ended up covering like with ease. I think they won the second half by like 30, you know? And it's like, yeah. That team, you know, but if they go, if they go, you know, two thirds the game without hitting, you know, there's just no way. They just they're yeah. so reliant on uh, the three ball and and the shoot and the jump shooting, and they're really good at it. But they're gonna have games where it just clicks for the full forty, and they're gonna have games where they struggled. That's the way it is. You never know when those games are gonna happen, right? In general, we always talk about with thirty college basketball games, and typically five you look insanely good, five you look pretty terrible, and the other twenty you look about average. And so again, as a reminder, we keep our wager sizes reasonable because you never know what you're going to get, whether it's professional athletes or college athletes, you never know which game you're going to get. So our faith, again, doesn't come, this A grade doesn't come with the faith of this specific game. What it comes with is this specific value across multiple games provides us with the confidence that we have that we like it. It doesn't mean we can predict the future and know exactly what's going to happen in this game. What it does mean is in the last week, uh, we've seen the value of the A grade show themselves by winning way more than we've lost. And that's what we're what we're saying here, why this grade is what it is, why we're putting a little bit more of our proverbial eggs, but more of our units, a little bit more of our change uh, in this game rather than some of the other ones because the value is there. We, we just want a little bit more on these games with more value because in general, they go right more than they go wrong but again we are not soothsayers if you find one out there please let us know who that is we would love to please. have that information uh here's your recap again you can join us for the extended cut over on dub club that link 
is in the show description. Those are the three games we're going to talk about. Two of them probably off the radar games. Uh, Jake, we, we talk about Western Carolina a lot, it seems like. So yeah, if you're a Western Carolina fan, you've hopefully found this show by now because we talk about your team all the time. Uh, and then, of course, the Indiana-Michigan game, which a lot of you will probably be interested in. So that can be found, again, via Dub Club. Sign up link in the show description. You get $5 off your first month and lock in the 2023 prices forever. Your price will not go up. And so that's a big benefit over there. So hop on over with us. Hopefully you already are, and we will see you after our 60-second break. But before we get to that, Jake, any parting words for the viewer? No, I love Tuesdays. Now we're in the heat of basketball season because they are always loaded with either really good conference games or these Jimmy V classic-type games where you have Illinois and FAU and North Carolina and UConn. I think it's just going to be – Tuesdays are just lovely. Yeah, Tuesdays, I remember are the days that are usually lower slates with regards to games, but just jam packed with quality. It seems like you know Monday's just a light slate. Tuesday's a light slate, but just so many good ones. And Wednesday, yeah. Thursday just kind of get crazy. <laughs> so we, it's like you, you have a you have a low slow start to the week here for Monday, but getting to Tuesday, you start really ramping up with the college basketball quality. So again, hopefully, we see you here after the music with us over on Dub Club. Thank you.